Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Echo Chamber PR podcast. This is Arun Sudharman, editor of The Homes Report, bringing you the latest in news and views around the public relations and communications industry. Many thanks, as always, to TVC Group for helping us deliver today's podcast. I'm joined today by a longtime friend of the Echo Chamber podcast, who sadly has, has not been able to make an appearance until today, so it's a momentous occasion. We're very happy to welcome today Matt Morrison, who is Social Media Strategy Director at Starcom MediaVest Group, and also, I think, of particular relevance to Echo Chamber listeners. Previously headed digital social media at Porto Novelli for a few years, worked at Tribal DDB, if I'm not mistaken. Someone who's considered something of a specialist in the digital world, which makes you unique, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but someone, I think, who's, who's been on the front lines of the way digital and social media has evolved, and in particular can speak to the various different disciplines that are looking to capitalize on its growth. Matt, welcome to the Echo Chamber. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yes, I, I have, I think, had a sort of an interesting career. I've, I've probably spent less time in PR than in any of the other disciplines. Mostly I started off building websites back in the 90s and gradually moved into media buying and I'm now back at Starcom in a media buying environment but I am looking very closely at the link between paid owned and earned media because that's not only what's fashionable at the moment but where the biggest questions seem to lie. And where do the biggest questions lie particularly uh, relating to how you view the public relations industry. I mean, you spent a few years at Porto Novelli, mm. but now you're back on the media agency side of the fence, I assume, with bigger budgets and, and mm. all the rest of it. What, what do you think about the way public relations agencies have approached digital and are approaching digital? And, and do you really see them as a threat to your, to your type of agency? I think it would we'd be foolish not to see the threat from PR agencies. Um, we see a huge convergence battleground at the moment around the idea of social, up to a point, and content, certainly. Um, and we see ambitions from the PR industry in spaces where we have ambitions ourselves. What's interesting, I think, for us is how we are trying to staff up to take account of that looking at our existing skill sets, where we are strong and where we think we need to become stronger, and then looking at exactly the same thing from the PR agency's point of view. So, for example, we now hire people as content producers. We're hiring the same, we're competing for the same kinds of staff, the same kind of talent that PR agencies are competing for. We're able, perhaps, to build that out a little bit differently from the, you know, from the way that PR agencies are able to build it out, so we can maybe find different economies, different areas for profit. And the biggest area for us has been, obviously, combining paid media and social media, the earned side of that, and combining our SEO team with our mm. content team. So those, those things are, are very strong. We have about 10% of the London business is hired into a content team now, and we would see that you know, there's 50 people or so, as directly competitive with certainly a media agent, uh, any other media agency in the space, certainly creative agencies in the space, and increasingly, we think, with PR agencies. And we mm. think that we find that um, we are either having to work very closely with clients' PR agencies or try and find ways to um, take control of that business that we think is perhaps rightfully ours. 
Okay, interesting. Um, a lot to discuss there. Surely PR agencies can't compete with a media agency that, that is hoovering up content talent. I've come across this a couple of times at different agencies. Hiring talent into from, from one kind of business into another doesn't always make for an easy fit. We've all, particularly on the digital side of the business, experienced being the, uh, the digital lipstick on the traditional pig. And the, the history, history of my career <laughs> has often been um, hired in as a one-man cosmetic fix and then desperately trying to hire the teams to make that work and finding that if you're not amazingly careful, you end up creating silos inside a business. Now, we've seen that happen inside creative agencies. The mm -hmm. first agency I worked at was Tribal, which was set up inside DDB and gradually began to separate out from the DDB mothership into the point where we had different clients and had to be wrangled back in during the 2000s very successfully. Or I see other agencies, or PR agencies, who've hired digital teams and made digital acquisitions where those digital acquisitions sit separately to the main core business. And inside a media agency, we have certain kinds of priority, certain kinds of relationship. So, for example, our relationship with the media owners means that it's often our easiest, fastest sell to say, well, we'll partner with The Economist, we'll partner with the FT, we'll partner with whoever it is, and they will write our content for us. And that doesn't always count towards being the best possible business for an emerging content team. Mm, okay. So it's not as simple as just hiring lots of people and, and then assuming it's going to work. When is it ever? No, indeed. Do, do you see PR agencies having any particular advantages in this new kind of converged era? Yeah, certainly. Um, if you look at the history of SEO, which is where a lot of our content business comes from, historically, we have written for a single reader, and that reader is Google. So that has meant that we were able to distribute stories quite easily, we were able to sort of get links in, we were able to do all these things, but, but that content wasn't necessarily aimed at a human readership. And I think we're now seeing, obviously, a tremendous, over the last two years, switch towards content that is somehow attractive to an audience. Is this because of the way Google has switched its own Yeah, search? I mean, I think, I think it's um, partly Google's search algos, and I think it is partly an increasing reliance on Facebook as a traffic source for the... If you look at the emerging players in internet sort of journalism content, I don't know what you want to call it. If you look at, say, HuffPo, BuzzFeed, mm -hmm. um, Upworthy, um, their traffic is coming from social. And you know, traditional thinking around SEO couldn't begin <laughs> to compete with that. So you see a lot of the SEOs redefining their job as inbound marketers, perhaps. And for 2014, we will all be talking about content marketing. Mm, indeed. Um, and at that point, we have certain strengths. We are very good at marketing content. We're getting better at writing content. But the PR agencies have, I think, a natural advantage when it comes to the idea of a story. They, or the good ones, understand what makes a story because they are faced every day with trying to sell those stories into people who are 
making decisions about whether to run that story or not. So they have an external perspective or they're able to put themselves into a journalist's shoes and think, is this a story that would be interesting to their audience? You know, or is it one that I'm not going to push as hard, perhaps? I, don't, I, I hesitate to suggest that PRs push some stories more strongly than others. But, um, but there is a real thing that they have an objective measure of how good their story is, and that objective measure is somebody ran it. From the media point of view... We know when our stuff runs. It runs when we pay for it to run. It's really easy for us to get a story into anywhere. Um, we can buy our way in, just as the creative agencies have traditionally been able to buy the space and the, buy the eyeballs to view their stories. And that doesn't work now. That doesn't work in a social world, and it's increasingly not working in a search world. Mm. We need to have people who understand how to turn otherwise dull who, what, when, where, why content into a story. I think that could exist in a PR agency far more than it could exist in a creative or media agency where we've been spoiled for years. Mm, interesting. How do you see the creative advertising agencies in this equation? What do they bring to the table? When we work with our partners, we try and tell a story that the creative agency sits up at the top as brand guardians. It's a uh, very comfortable position for them. It makes it sound like they have a... Um, a very important job and it encourages them not to adapt too much mm. um, so we're very keen to emphasize this um, their role is to set tone of voice and come up with the big ideas and all the rest of it I think from the PR perspective the always-on nature of their business is means that they are not focusing on the three big campaigns a year and they can be faster and more nimble and for us the job is how do we run the data, yeah, the analytics of this. How do we analyze the PR content, the uh, creative ad uh, content, and our own social and search content um, according to the same set of criteria so that we can begin to see what works, what doesn't work, and when and in what combination. Mm-hmm. So the data side of it for us and the ability to mark the homework of the other agencies in the group is a huge advantage for us. Right. And obviously, we then help them to decide which of their content gets promoted according right. to the criteria that we set. So then, obviously, yeah. we will promote the creative agency's wildly expensive videos. But we will also promote the PR agency's much less expensive videos. And we will, we hope, promote our own much cheaper yet videos. And be able to say which worked hardest. Mm. And you don't feel like you have a vested interest in proving that your own content is, uh, is, is better. I don't know if you've ever sat through a media agency presentation. No. It's an, oh, actually, it's, no, I have. It is quite an experience. The post-campaign analysis of our campaigns is extraordinary by comparison with the PR agency's post-campaign analysis. It's, uh, yeah, these, we're talking 40 to 100 slides of charts that can beat almost anyone into submission. So I don't think it necessarily whether we have self-interest or not. It's a matter of whether people trust us to do it. Mm. And um, I think they have trusted us to do it for a long time. And uh, we are more carefully audited than any of the the other clients' agencies. Mm. So you don't think there's a potential legacy issue there? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I would have thought you're making, I assume, most of your money still 
from the big media buys? I mean, I, I think you have to see this as changing. I mean, we are rapidly moving towards um, you know, 50% digital um, revenue and gradually beyond that. Within that digital revenue, the high margin stuff for us is the emerging media, the bits that are interesting, new, where there is less competition from other media agencies. Um, there's an awful lot less competition from other media agencies when it comes to things like content. So our margins on that are excellent by comparison with our margins on core business. Right, but what about the volume? That's always a good question. I think volume and expertise are going to be the real problem. The, the real problem for me is whether a client will come to us in order to run their content. You can see that they'll come to us to run their SEO because we're already doing yeah, their media. It's an easy, if we're doing their paid search, it's an easy enough pitch to say, well, why don't we make it easier for you to manage this and report on this in one single agency? You have a single point of content for all of this area of your marketing. And our ambitions as an agency, as a group, are to move into a much bigger space. The question is, of course, is this evolutionary business or is it, you know, are we changing exact, trying to change what we do? Now, I think the answer is it's evolutionary, so it's naturally going to be low volume in the short term. But it's a growth area for us. We, you know, it has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, from the PR agencies, you can see that a client would understand that they are a good, a lot of people to create content Mm -hmm. but they are historically good at creating and I may be being a bit unfair here but historically good at creating text content and we're living in a world now where Mm -hmm. we are video and photo led I mean yeah what you you need a photo that doesn't come from a photo library to go with your story I mean these are it's huge I mean we are whether we're moving into Instagram or Pinterest or whatever, that, you know, or it doesn't matter. It's you, we need image-led stories like like, mm-hmm. like BuzzFeed can do, and so we're all coping with areas that we're not comfortable with. And I think PR agencies have huge gaps. They need to hire picture editors. They need to hire people who will market the content, not just write the content. Our big gap is we need to create content which doesn't just drive views and shares, but um, but also is, you know, tells a message that the client needs telling. And creative agencies need to join the you know, 21st century. But that's a, <laughs> that's a different thing. Excellent. Let's talk a little bit about content. We've covered this area in, in some detail. In fact, we spoke about it earlier this year for mm. a report we wrote. One of the things that the public relations industry has found exciting about content is it's given them access to paid budgets for the first time. They're able to come in, I think, via, if not quite the front door, then a, then a side entrance, perhaps. Mm. They can develop some good content. And then in order to effectively promote and distribute that content, they are sometimes spending on um, Facebook newsfeed ads or promoted mm. tweets or outbrain syndication and so on. I mean, how threatening do you find that particular situation? The PR agencies would say they're a better place to do that because you shouldn't really divorce it. From the content creation, <coughs> one. And two, there's such small sums that surely media agencies are not that bothered about, mm. about this. I think there's a really interesting problem growing here. Um, the PR agencies are entirely right to say that the content and the marketing of that content go hand in hand. If only because a good content marketing program has to be very, very flexible and very, very fast and 
nimble. So you have to be able to create the content, A-B test headlines, A-B test ads, um, decide whether you're going to promote this or pull it back. And if we do this well, we think that we can deliver huge uh, economies. I mean, for us, the explosion in new advertising space, the outbrains of Dabulas, the promoted posts, the promoted tweets, uh, to a certain extent, things like StumbleUpon, which have been with us for a while, and you know, Reddit ads. These are, these are none of these is, is a brand space. And yet they are supremely efficient bits of advertising space, so efficient that publishers use them to deliver traffic to their content on which we run our ads. So effectively, our media partners are arbitraging mm. traffic. So they're buying it cheaper than they can sell it to us. It's fine. Clearly, we as a media industry have a tremendous interest in these new spaces, if only to deliver um, those economies to our clients or to take advantage of the gaps that we see there. Um, We have tremendous technology that allows us to fine target people, but the ability to capture that audience in the first place hasn't previously been available to us. And so I think... That's why we have an interest in content marketing. We need to have the content that we can promote through these new spaces. And these new spaces are massively important when it comes to mobile, where I think if you, if you ask a media agency, it's always the year of mobile. You know, we're always waiting for the year of mobile because, we're, because we've been tying our understanding in many cases to these tiny little banners, these little tiny oh. analogs of what we've been trying to do on the web. The ad space. The ad basically. space. The, these are little things that sit at the bottom of your screen. And, you know, there's a lot of it around, but it's not the most exciting space in the world, I think we can all accept. Mm. Whereas a full screen Facebook post, decent photo, decent call to action, you know, can deliver tremendous traffic to branded branded content. Mm. So we are anxious for our clients to produce more content. It is an absolute necessity. We are trying to move them back into the idea of what used to be called blogging and no doubt is called something else now. Um, This idea that you should be creating two or three or more stories a day because some of them are going to catch the the public's imagination and some of them we can then promote. And both we and the creative agencies and the social media agencies and, uh, God help them, the PR agencies have fallen into a trap. And the trap has been that we create our posts on Facebook. And this has been good for Facebook in many ways. Um, it's not, I think, what Facebook was hoping for. But it's fine. We, we will create all our content there and then we will pay for people to see our content. Otherwise, as I'm sure everyone knows, only a tiny fraction of the audience or your fans will ever see that content. And the job is not to talk to the few thousand fans who Facebook will expose you to, but to choose amongst the 1.1 billion um, uh, customers that, that, that Facebook gives us access to, very highly targeted access. If we move out into a blogging type scenario where people are creating content and publishing it regularly and understanding that that is yeah, part of their job, then we can, as a media agency, begin to make that work beautifully. We think at this stage that we need control of the testing, the data, and the media. 
But we would think that. From the point of view of the PR agencies, if they can work out how to do it, I don't see that they have, have, I don't, don't see they have any problem competing with us at those kinds of levels. So, it's, mm. so this is a real... It's a real battlefield for us. And we don't want to lose the experience, the data, or the opportunity to staff up in this area. Interesting. And how how much of an advantage do you think it is for you to have access to, frankly, a lot more data than PR agencies might have? I don't think that we do have access to that much more data, funnily Mm. enough. And we... Obviously, we invest a lot and spend a lot on, on, on this, and we have a sense, um, which often PR agencies don't have, of how many people look at a site mm-hmm. or visit a site. What we need to move towards is a story-based understanding. Mm. So instead of you know, thinking, well, there are this many people on Twitter, the question has always got to be, but how many people saw the story? Mm. So moving towards an impression-led or a unique-led model. And for that, Google Analytics is half your story and Facebook's kind of the other half because mm. those are the two big sources of data. They both give you, um, if you the data for free and all you need to do is learn how to test and roll out and test and roll out and to design tests and report on them and to eschew third-party data or third-party sort of tools that tell you what's working and what's not working, but, but to try and understand it for yourself. Because uh, there are all sorts of people who will sell you content marketing tools that will tell you which content is working and which content you should copy mm. and um, what you should yeah, upweight and what you should downweight. And there are some brilliant tools which will tell you you should post more about science because your audience likes science. These are getting better and better all the time, but... This is so important that you need to do everything. You need to develop a deep understanding, not of the data, but of what it's telling you. And mm. it's, a, it's such a sort of, a sort of a, a, a almost crass thing to say, but you look at how an Upworthy or a Move On or whoever sort of writes their headlines. Now, I, I'm sure we all by now hate the Upworthy style headline, the very sort of... Or, or Business Insider, or whoever it is, but they learned how it worked. I think, you know, I go to all these conferences about content marketing. I have never been to a session about the headline. Oh, And for me, it's the most important thing of all. And it's almost, you know, for journalists, it's considered a little vulgar, frankly, <coughs> to assume that the headline is more important than the story. But how, how, can, this not, how can it not be the case? So... so Beautiful example of this. So a few years ago, I went to see the Times digital editor talk about headlines. And his angle at the time was that you need to tell the whole story in the headline uh, because these stories were now appearing on tweets and in RSS readers. Do you remember RSS readers? And, And you needed to... Have the whole. You could no longer. He was he was bemoaning the fact that the the brilliant days of Super Cali go, uh, go ballistic or um, or gotcha, <laughs> yeah, gotcha yeah. Ha, had had gone, and that these stories were no longer. You, know, you could no longer get away with this because the headline had lost its context mm. because you'd no longer had a photograph and you no longer had a lead. The reality is that today we can choose the photograph that people see when they share the story. We can choose the lead and we can choose the headline on Facebook. And on Twitter, and on any of the, and Google Plus, and and on LinkedIn. Mm, I mean, we yeah. from any anywhere, but but Facebook. Let's if we just stay with Facebook, that's a good place to stay because mm. that is the only significant competitor to Google in terms of traffic sources. Mm. If you're a publisher, and if you look at how that changed over time towards the Business Insider, Upworthy mm. style, 
they're taking content that everybody else has. These are never stories that are, or rarely stories that are unique, unique to them. In fact, with Upworthy, they take videos that were published a year ago, two years ago. They rewrite the headline, republish them, and that story will be shared. Well, we, I did some quick calculations today. They um, mm. up to 25,000 times. That's an average number of shares per Upworthy headline when it came yeah, in, in, in August this year. Whereas BuzzFeed, who do very, very well, I mean, they're, they're producing a lot more content. They're having to produce a lot more content. They have a very, mm. but they are getting an average of about 2,000 shares per story. Mm. So more than 10 times as many shares on the Upworthy stuff based on one thing, which Upworthy calls framing. Mm, which is the headline. purely the headline. And we have this opportunity to test this stuff. I don't think yeah, PRs aren't inherently good at it. We aren't inherently good at it because mm. we've traditionally tried to keep our headlines to exactly what the person is searching for mm. because that way they'll click on Was that the not headline. a function of testing, though? I suppose not. Oh, when, when it comes to, when it comes to um, search, we're driven towards telling the reader that they will see the answer that they want mm. when they get here. Okay. When we're driven by social, we need to say things like, you will not believe what we just did. Yeah, or whatever it is. Mm. I mean, those are, or, you know, you will cry when you see. I mean, these are, when, they, when you tell these amazing headlines, which act as strong calls to action, both to click and to guide the user experience so that they then share. And when we look at the metrics that the new publishers are using, they're looking at the number of clicks per view. So mm -hmm. they have a sense of how many yeah. times the story has been viewed, how many times has it been shared then, mm -hmm. and then the number of clicks per share. So how, many, so how, have, those, uh, the, how have those shares then gone on to be to drive additional traffic? Mm -hmm. Right. And I never okay. quite understand why Upworthy... Sorry to dwell on them, but they are obsessing me at the moment. Why they ask the question at the beginning of the when before you can watch the video, they ask a question: Do you believe? And then some, I don't know, that you know, people are naturally good or whatever it is, mm. or some kind of slightly clergy uh, <laughs> statement. Mm. And I suspect that they're doing this. They're not idiots. They clearly are getting a lot right. People are frustrated and irritated by this button. You have to, you know, acknowledge that you are um, a good person before you're allowed, to, you're allowed to watch the video, whatever it is. And I suspect that this is framing. I suspect that they are literally priming their audience into believing that they are a good person before they watch the video. So that partly so they, their experience of watching that video is a better experience, and partly because we know that good people share good stories. And I th I th I'm that sure is there is some kind of psychological trick going on there. That is fascinating. Do you see potentially diminishing returns for these types of oh. headlines? Yes, it has, it has to be. I mean, the, the, the world has, it has exploded with these things now. Um, the, everybody who had um, cheapo affiliate blogs has now got a cheapo petition blog. There's an upworthy title generator out there, which is frighteningly good. Uh, I need and, to find that. Oh, it's uh, upweathergenerator.com. Uh, and it is a, it will have to, it surely, it must burn itself out at some point. But right now, it's better than the alternative. And the alternative is old style headlines, which tell you the whole story in the headline. Because mm. I, now I know the story, but I don't really care. Is there a way to, to game the process at all, I'm thinking? C going back to what you were mm. talking about, Facebook, and how... 
you know, they do limit your page posts and so on. And well, maybe not game the yeah. process. I mean, that's that's quite a loaded phrase. But actually, maybe you're talking about the kind of classic public relations ability to get someone else to to tell that story that, for you. And it, it almost seems the, like that is that becoming is less important. That is the only story. That is the only story out there. Historically, mm. PRs have had to try and write a story or frame a story in such a way that a journalist will carry it. Mm. Now we have to just treat every reader mm. as that journalist. We're not in the business of having a direct, or in social media specifically, we're not in the business of having a direct relationship with our audience. Mm. Um, and it is a, a flaw in social media thinking across the industry that we think it's about having a one-to-one dialogue with the customer, which mm-hmm. frankly nobody wants. I mean, they, I mean they, they, yeah, I'm happy to, for people to think that I'm having one-to-one dialogues with my customer, but I... I, I don't ever want to really use the phrase one-to-one dialogue in mm. in polite company. It's a it's a terrible, terrible idea mm-hmm. that we're going to take a mass medium-built product and try and sell it on a direct sales model. It's just it's crazy. So what we want to do is find a way of framing our stories so that other people will tell them for us or simply share them. And creating content for people to share is a model. We can see how it works. We can see what metrics we need to do. And we can see that you know, if we increase our bit of, put a bit of paid behind it, we'll seed it harder. And we don't have to do all of this immensely boring, less true for SEO, but this immensely boring sort of talking to bloggers as though we care about them. You know, it, it's not, it, nobody likes it. I mean, you know, mm. I mean, clearly they don't like it because when we as bloggers receive emails from people, you know, they, they may have given a cursory glance to it, but I mean, I've got, mm. you know, I mean, why would you care? Why, mm. whereas they're blo- the vanishingly few, 4% of Americans wrote on their blog yesterday, apparently, mm-hmm. or who were online and wrote on their blog. Surprisingly high, I felt. Mm. So it was as many as 4%. I, I, I'm sure that people are confusing Facebook with a blog or something. But 90% were on social media. Mm-hmm. So their ability to share a story mm-hmm. is very, very straightforward. And what does that mean for owned platforms? Yeah, essential. Most, most important thing. Mm. There's a real problem that clients have often invested large amounts of money in a website. I mean, you'd be shocked if you found out how much. A no, site I, 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 I spoke to the agency that, that did Coke's redesign mm. recently. Oh, and, really? Uh, yeah, they spent. Yes, that, um, really? Yeah, they, they, I think the phrase money was no object. Yes, perhaps, that's <laughs> extraordinary. I think Coke has, um, ha- has understood something about the nature of what kind of site they need to have. I mean, their mm. site is actually worth looking at. But most people five years ago spent yeah, somewhere between half a million and a million building their site. Mm. It's a sunk cost, often sitting with the CIO or at least part of it sitting with the CIO rather than the CMO. And it's almost impossible for most of our clients to make a change to that site. It's very hard for us to get... Anyone who's done this will know how hard it is to get sites tagged up, for example. This mm-hmm. is kind of essential before yeah. you start running a campaign. You need to have the tags in place, and it's hard for clients. It's very hard to make a change to to publish a new story. It's very hard to change or test um, A-B test sort of content, and it's very hard to, it's impossible to make a change to the front page. I remember years ago being stunned when one of my clients needed to put a request into IBM to make changes to their site and those requests were considered on a monthly basis. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are, I mean, this was just newspapers, last week. <laughs> newspapers publish faster than this. I mean, mm. this, this is a, I mean, this is ext- 
extraordinary, mm. extraordinary world. If you aren't a large organization, you can throw up a WordPress site in a you know, or a Squarespace site or whatever that mm. it is in, in the course of 20 minutes mm. and be ready to publish. If so much of the engagement and sharing and activity is happening, for example, on Facebook or on yes. Twitter, then, then doesn't that make the owned... Look at what less people important. share. Look at what they're sharing. If you go to if you go to Facebook and you look through your stream, nearly all of us will see a few baby photos and a bunch of stories from Business Insider or mm. The Guardian or, in my case, The Daily Mail. I get an awful, most of my Daily Mail reading comes from Facebook mm. because you know, it's, it's not rude to share it there. And Facebook is endlessly sending people out. Mm-hmm. Into yeah you know, into into the media owner site, mm. and then they come back. They go, you go, you read the story, and then you share the story, mm. or not. But that's that's the model. You 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 look at what and this these content this content is is introduced to you by your friends, and you know your friends, and you know that they wouldn't give you bad content because mm-hmm. they like the same things that you like. So Facebook is a signpost. Twitter is a signpost. Google is a map, more or less. And if you build your content outside. Facebook, then Google will find it. So if you look at the big mm. content marketers, Coca-Cola is one of them, mm. um, Red Bull's another, mm. uh, they host their content outside Facebook so that you can tweet about it, so that Pinterest, you can pin it, so that you, Google can pick mm. it up, so people can link to it. Whereas if you put a story on Facebook and you don't pay, mm. your opportunity to see is over within an hour, more right. or less. You have half of your engagement in the first hour, unless you pay to promote that post. 80% within sort of three to four hours. So you have a sort of a hang time in the news feed of, mm-hmm. you know, this, this opportunity, this short, short opportunity. If you build your content on your site, on your blog, or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you, um, you have this great, great opportunity to be found a year from now. And you don't have to just keep repeating yourself. You can take, take the same content and you mm-hmm. can promote it this month, next yeah. month, and you get value out of it. Repurpose. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, same, same, same blog post, you know, I mean, literally, same blog post. If you need to do a 10 things to be doing you know, in London this December, that'll work next December as well. Right. Given how important the own, own platforms are, is that, is that an area where you think the agencies have got enough expertise? Because it has tended to, be, to sit with the, the, the technical digital mm. agencies. Whereas if you look at Coke's new website as an example, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of technical stuff that's gone into it. But I know, for example, I think there are four page templates. Mm. The, the, the whole idea, it's really recreating almost like a kind of a WordPress CMS. Mm. So, yes. Yeah, but it's yes, <laughs> slightly more expensive than WordPress, I imagine. But it's much more about the website as a content engine, yeah. right? Rather yes. than what yes. you classically call a website. So is there... Do you see that as, as an area where the agencies, whatever agency they are, are able to, to kind of everything to play for in that space? Everything. I mean, I, mm. I I'm technically minded, can read, develop a documentation, and can test stuff myself. Mm-hmm. And this gives me a, a huge advantage in some ways in terms of you know I can see exactly how Facebook wants us to be presenting mm. our content. You know, and you can see the stories that they're not telling or they're only telling through their developer documentation about how your domain is a part of Facebook as far as they're concerned and here's how they expect you to play with them mm-hmm. and this this is what they will give you in return. This is this is a huge, huge area and we lack experience anywhere in any of our agencies. I, th- I think perhaps I fear that PR agencies lack it most of all. 
Well, it's, it requires a certain amount of technological <laughs> capability, which is not something that PR agencies are necessarily known for. What shocked me when I joined PR a few years ago was that in an era when the only exciting thing, as far as we could all see, was the internet. I was surrounded by kids in their 20s who would say things like, well, I'm not very technical or mm. I'm not very good with computers, uh, that their view was this was about getting stuff into yeah, content, into magazines, into newspapers. I mean, not even television. It was a this peculiar viewpoint. Now, that has to change. And that is a hard, hard cultural change for PR agencies mm. because they need to bring in technical expertise, and it's hard for them to hire technical expertise when they don't know what it looks like. If you look at the world of SEO, we can split it into two parts. Now, I mm -hmm. don't give you any sense of how big those two parts are relative to each other, but one part are mad chicken wavers who are repeating a lot of nonsense that they read on the internet somewhere and have somehow dubbed themselves SEO experts. The other half are technically-minded, data-literate people who count stuff to find out whether it works or not and don't trust anybody else's data other than their own. And I know who I'd rather be employing. The problem is, of course, there are an awful lot of the other kind. Mm. And we need to bring these... It's essential that this expertise becomes a core part of the media agencies, where we're beginning to get that right, mm -hmm. the creative agencies, where, frankly, I don't think they are, and the PR agencies, where they're miles off. And what about the digital agencies? What does it mean for them, given that they've... They, got the, they have the technical skills. Some people mm. would perhaps suggest they are not as proficient in terms of the, the understanding of content and sharing mm. and so on. That's, their, that, that's their, their, their game has always been to use their technical ability to tell stories further up the line. AKQA, place that I started off working at, mm. does that beautifully. In fact, arguably, their ability to tell stories is the most remarkable thing about them, mm. certainly when it comes to award time. They're tremendous, and mm. um, their award entries are, are tremendous stories in themselves because they understand that technology is a means of telling a story mm. for them. I think the SEO agencies are beginning to understand this more and more. They're, they're certainly investing very heavily in, in, in that kind of content area, but I don't know whether they can scale outside their core business. You know, ultimately, they're interested in retail, travel, financial mm -hmm. services. and you know, I mean, there's not a huge demand on them from brands. So the interesting clash comes, I think, between PR agencies and media agencies when it comes to brands who have traditionally been TV brands and how their content plays out. And it's, I think... So much of it is about the technical understanding and expertise and spreading that technical understanding and expertise throughout a business, not just having it sitting in a silo. Okay, thank you. Matt, we've talked a lot today about how content is changing, I guess, the equation for brands in terms mm. of getting people to engage with them, particularly online. How worried are you about this idea of content pollution? Because if you're saying that a brand should be producing three or four stories a day... If I'm being cynical, I'd say, well, none of them are actually that likely to be worth reading. And maybe one per week will find its way in, into my social stream. I suspect maybe I'm a little more cynical than the average observer. But how do, you, how do you factor that in? How do you make sure that this isn't just a replication of the broadcast model onto, uh, onto a digital world? Hmm. I don't know the answer to that. But I th suppose that my two or three stories a day betrays 
a lot of my own biases and prejudices. So the way I would think about it is if we can produce content cheaply at volume, then we can use that to optimize what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So what we would rather do, or from my perspective, is create a lot of stories that kind of get it right and then watch the data and try and improve that process over time. But then don't you just end up with lists of cat pictures? Hey, and side boob stories, yeah. I think this is where a PR agency could get it better. We are investing heavily as an agency group in a planning function that allows us to replicate the account planning function from a traditional creative agency in order to understand that much better and to persuade our clients that this is the right thing to do. I think PR agencies probably do understand client tone of voice and the ability to tell relevant stories mm. very well. Now, Relevant I s- to the brand. Relevant to the brand. Right. I look at what's relevant to the audience. And my, my, my view is totally about what stories are they sharing amongst themselves at the moment, what stories are working with them, and how can I recreate that? So I, I have a very much a sort of um, a content farm uh, or content farmer's approach to this, which is not the best thing for the brand. I have to then have layers of control in place to make sure that this view of mine doesn't then sort of spread into the, the, the wider company. But ideally, what I'd like to see is lots and lots of data points so I can begin, which, which cover a wide spread of stuff that works and doesn't work, so I can work out what doesn't work. If everything works, I've learned nothing. Yeah, I, I, all I've learned is I could optimize, I just don't know how. So I'm quite open to the idea of failure. I look at some B2B blogs are getting this right at the moment, I think. So I think the um, Sophos blog, Naked Security, their publishing rate has, has massively increased over, uh, over the recent years. So they are publishing, it looks like, two or three stories a day. The Shutterstock blog has a brilliant look at how stories in the news can be told as stories about Shutterstock, their image library product. Mm-hmm. And I see... Red Bull at the peak where they are creating the story. Now, I would rather, like a PR person, respond to the news. I don't mean necessarily responding quickly to the news, although there is a desire in our agency to get faster and faster with how, how able we are to respond to opportunities, but really to plan when opportunities come. And to say, well, we know that Game of Thrones um, season, whatever it is, will launch. How here? What? Yeah, what's our? What? How do we use that as a as a news hook? We aren't there yet, and I think that PR agencies could just dominate there. Okay. Well, on that note, I think we will end today's podcast. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. We hope to have you back in the not too distant future. It's been a very great pleasure, and I look forward to it. Listeners, thank you again for listening to the uh, the Echo Chamber PR podcast. As always, you can find us on homesreport.com. You can get, get in touch with us on Twitter, at Holmes Report, on our Facebook page, very relevant to today's podcast, and indeed on our Pinterest page or our LinkedIn group, etc. Um, thank you to TVC Group, who in addition to helping us deliver this podcast, we should also probably mention is uh, one of the key agencies behind all of that Red Bull content you like so much. Mm. Um, we will be back in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you. Thank you.